Because I'm going to be honest with you, you know, we're doing this less, this series of, of messages about Acts and about how Acts is scary. But if you want to stop and take a, a thought for just a moment, Acts is scary because the world is scary. I mean, that's what it really comes down to for us, right? And, and I don't want to be one of those preachers, preachers, if I can get my mouth to work, I don't want to be one of those preachers that just continually pat you on the back as if everything is okay and you find your way to hell from that, right? I want to be the guy that loves you to the point of truth and loves you to the point of encouragement into the things of God. I want the fullness of God to be alive in your life and to work in your life and to lead you through these days and through these times, no matter how dark and no matter how difficult they might become. Amen? And, and they will become worse, right? The Bible doesn't say it's going to get better. The Bible says that the world, not us, not the church, right? But the world will wax worse and worse, right? That alone is scary. That alone is scary. When we look at the, the, the craziness going on in the world today, that alone in itself is scary. And we should, we should recognize that. We should acknowledge that. Uh, and, and, you know, we're going, we're going to prepare and equip your kids with a truth that holds power and that holds strength for their life whether it be in these services, whether it be in 356 on Sunday night, whether it be in Gospel Quest and our men's group and our ladies group, we are going to push the power of Jesus Christ into everyone's life. Amen? And uh, I had someone ask uh, a question uh, earlier in the week in, in this group that I'm in, this chat group that I'm in, and they asked the question, how would you explain to someone without a million scriptures, how would you explain to someone how important it is to believe in Jesus Christ? What example would you give them? And I said, for me, it's simple. I have a book called the Bible full of historical accounts. Forget the words on the pages. I have a book full of historical accounts that you can find in other historical accounts of men who walked with Jesus, who believed him in him, who believed him and in him to the point of death. They were willing to walk with him and talk with him and believe in him in their lives to the point that you couldn't shut them up, and the only way you could shut them up was to take their life. And those of you say, well, that's scary. Amen? I'm going to be honest with you. I would rather die for something as powerful and as bold as the love and the goodness of Jesus Christ than to die for the garbage that's being promoted into our lives in this world. I'd rather die for something than to die for nothing. Right? And that is ultimately the decisions that we make. That is ultimately where we stand in society today and, and the decisions that we make. Amen? And you say, well, that sounds like a, a country song. That sounds like patriotism. It sounds like this. No, I want, you to, I want you to hear it as Jesus Christ. Because that is ultimately how these guys lived. The example that we're setting in the book of Acts is about men who believed it on that level. Men who were so full of him that they walked it and talked it and believed it on that level. And that is where we're called to. 
When I talk of fullness, that's the fullness that I'm talking to. Amen? I'm not, I'm not interested in moments. Amen? I was talking to someone before the service, and I said, I'm, I'm not interested in moments because everyone can, can figure a moment out and define a moment and make a moment look great. Amen? I want consistency. I want consistency in the power and the glory of Jesus Christ. I want us walking it, living it, talking it every day to the point that it shows the whole world who we are without having to, to, to mock it and pretend it every day. And I believe when we are walking full of the Holy Spirit, when we're walking in the fullness of His glory, we begin to see those things. Now, last week, we were talking to you about Stephen being stoned, and, and, and the third point of that message is, my, my message is, I usually have a three-point outline memorized, and, and that's what I'm preaching from. And the third point of the message we never even got to last week. So I'm just going to hit you with that quick, and then we're going to move into this week's message. But, but to give, get the fullness, John and I really dug into it on this past Thursday's uh, podcast, where we really dug into this 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 moment of where not only did Stephen enter into the glory of God, but so did Luke. Luke, who writes the books of, book of Acts, was able to pin down in detail what Stephen saw. Amen? So not only was Stephen pushed into a moment of where the, the glory of God manifests itself into Stephen, but Luke seeing it and Luke being able to describe it and write it down for us, Luke was also manifest into that moment. So when we talk about a one accord, like we talk about throughout Acts, we're talking about a deep spiritual fullness of the glory of God in people. Amen? So that not only did Stephen see Jesus standing at the right side, because in the things Stephen spoke, nowhere does he say, hey Luke, he's standing. Right? Nowhere did he clue Luke into that moment. But Luke saw it too. Luke saw it too. Amen? So I'm just going to give you that. If you want more of that, then you, 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 you go look up on, on, I don't know, Facebook and all the 300 other places. John has it now. But, but you go look up um, this past week's podcast, uh, and you hear us talk about that. The first half of the, the podcast, we're just kind of chit-chatting. But the second half, man, we really, we really start digging. And... Um, uh, I was blessed with how the Spirit moved in that. So now we're talking about Paul, who was originally called Saul in the Bible. And, and we're introduced to him at this moment of Stephen's stoning, right? It talks about Saul and how Saul was among them and how Saul led the charge. There's even a moment where, where it's, it's talked about how Stephen or, or how Paul Saul was lifted up in this moment by the other people. And understand, we're still talking about evil. We're still talking about people who, as, as um, uh, Matthew Henry described them, becoming devils in that moment and, and gnashing teeth at Stephen and, and wailing out at them. And, and these are the people, this is the mindset, this is the evil, and this is the anger that, that was brought about to kill Stephen in that moment. Amen? And, and we find that Saul was part of that, and in many ways Saul was leading the charge of that. And when a lot of people, even the people who agreed that Stephen was garbage, right, even those people standing back, when it was all said and done, kind of took a, ooh, right? But not Saul. The Bible tells us that Saul owned it, right? 
the evil and the desire to stamp out Christianity and its truth, Saul decided to own it. Saul decided to say, I will make my life about destroying the church. I will make my life about tearing it down. I will make my life about dividing it. Amen? And so we come to this place here in chapter 9 of the book of Acts. We come to this place to where Saul had done many things against the church. And in verse 1, I'm going to read it to you in just a second. In verse 1, it tells us that he had done so to the point that he had scattered the church. Amen? How did that happen? Why did he do that? Amen? Because people became so scared, they were no longer unified. Amen? You want to know why we're blessed here? It's because because we're unified. We see the goal, right? Our goal isn't numbers. Our goal isn't money. Our goal isn't all of these things. Have we had to raise money to to accomplish things and do different things like that? Yes, but we've been 100% transparent. You knew where every penny was going. You knew what we were doing. And you knew that it was for the cause and the glorification of Jesus Christ. Nothing else. We've put that in front of you every opportunity we've had. So that you knew the goals. You knew where we were going. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about this. It wasn't about that. It wasn't about anything, you know, uh, 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 beyond the cause of this church and it becoming a house of miracles. You know what a lady told us yesterday? Never seen this lady before in my life. Said she came from over two hours away to be here yesterday. And and that's the reach Patty has with with the, the things she sells and the emails that she sends out for it. Came from over two hours away. When I eventually started inviting her to church, and she goes, well, I'm over two hours away. You know what she told me? She goes, I have never stepped in a church and felt what I felt when I stepped in down there. She said, it, you've got something special here in this place. Amen? And, and that, that's, that's, that's not gloating on me. Amen? That's gloating on all of us. Right? That, that's the reality of when we come together in unification for the cause and the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen? Not for, for this or not for that or not for vain glory, but when we are focused on Jesus and Jesus only. Amen. When we're not standing up, amen, promoting ourselves or wanting to be seen of men, because the Bible says you get your reward with that. Amen. But that's all you get. That's all you get. Amen. But because we come together for the purpose and the cause of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm way down the road, to be honest with you. When it comes to this church, I am focused on my message for Sundays, and I'm thinking three, four, five, six, seven, eight years down the road. Amen. I'm already thinking about how nice and how big our sanctuary is going to be that we build onto the back of this thing. Amen. And I'm not thinking about it because of money. I'm thinking about it because of people. I'm thinking about it because of lives that we get our hands on and that we tell about Jesus Christ and we allow his love, we allow his blood, and we allow his work on the cross of Calvary to do a work in their life. Amen. There's not a person in this community I don't want to touch. There's not a person in this community that I don't want to see their miracle delivered. Amen. So just as Paul, or Saul, I don't want to keep calling him Paul because that's who he eventually becomes, but just as Saul was focused on dividing the church, I am just as focused on bringing it together. Amen? And I refuse to be scattered. I refuse to be separated. I refuse to let the, the garbage of this world 
enter in and, and allow stupid things that I have seen churches give themselves to for years and lose sight of the glory and the manifestation of his spirit in the things that God wants to do in people's lives. Amen? And I choose to be focused on that. And I choose to make that our declaration. And I choose to make that our goal. And I hope you do too. I hope you agree with me in that. And I hope we walk together in that. And I hope we live for it. Not just, not just here on Sundays, not just when we have an event, but every day. Amen? If you, are, if you are in unity and if you are bought in, amen, you need to be talking to people about what Jesus is doing here. Amen. I don't care if you ever bring my name up. I don't care if you ever bring John's name up. But I want you to tell them what Jesus is doing here. I want you to talk to them about how people have been pulled out of the gutter. I want you to talk about how marriages have come back together. I want you to talk about how God is working in the things that Satan is trying to tear apart. I want you to give people hope that Jesus is still alive. And Jesus is still sitting on a throne. And Jesus is still working in people's lives the way he worked in it in the word we read. Amen. That's what I want you talking about. Because Jay isn't going to perform any miracle that he's not in. But honey, let me tell you, there's nothing that will walk through that door. There's nobody who has been to a place who will come up that ramp. That the power and the glory of God won't manifest itself in this place and do a work in their life. Amen? And we should be focused on that. And we should make that our heart's desire. Amen? Because this world, just like Saul, will try to divide us, try to scatter us, try to get in our head, amen, make us think all kinds of things, make us say all kinds of things, make us do all kinds of things, amen. We operate in the Spirit, and we are manifesting that Spirit together. God will do things beyond our comprehension. I've seen him do it. I'm watching him do it. And I will continue to push you and help you focus on the things that it is that God wants to do. Chapter 9, verse 1. And it says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, any Christians of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. You see, now what, what I think was really going on here, and what we really have to grasp to, to really understand this, when we talk about people becoming devils, like we did last week, well, what does that mean, right? That's just Bible talk, right, Jay? No, that, that is an evil incarnation, in people's lives that choose them to operate as the devil himself would if he was standing in that place. Amen? So just as we can be manifest in the glory of God and in the goodness of God and in his power, amen, we can be just as given to the things of evil, and those things produce those thoughts, those hates, those rages, etc. in our life. Amen? And so what we see here in, in verse 1 is we see that Saul is going to all of the important people and he's taking ownership of it. He's not having a moment of remorse. He's not having a moment of, well, maybe we got a little carried away. No, no, no. He's, he's, he's taking ownership of it. 
And he's saying, let's go further. Let's do more. Let's not stop at Stephen. You see, Saul was evil, and he was claiming it. And he was choosing to be that guy that destroyed what Jesus had done. He is allowing Satan to work in his life on a level that says, I'm going to bring an end right now, real quick. I'm not going to let it grow, but I'm going to scatter and diminish the work of Christ. Amen? Now, as a man, you and I could never do that. Amen? As we see countless times in Scripture, Satan has tried many ways, many different people, many different authorities to try and bring an end and and to defeat what what it is God is trying to do. And in every situation, every, amen, you know what I'm talking about? E-V-E-R-Y, every situation, not, not some, not a lot, but every situation, he has made Satan look foolish. In every moment, he's defeated him. In every circumstance, he has won. Now, if I gave you the opportunity to play on any team you wanted, most of us would choose a winning team, right? We're a team that we're a fan of because when we became a fan of them, they won all the time, right? <laughs> Sorry to make a WVU joke, but I won't. I love my blue and gold. I love my blue and gold. So when I make a joke, it's a joke. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a smack. But Sometimes we don't really know what team we're on, though, do we? Hmm? Sometimes we play the part, we look good, we say the right things, we go through all the right motions, we know all the right buttons to push, amen? But behind the scenes, or maybe on those weekdays, right, we, we stumble, and, and everyone says, well, now, wait a minute, Jay, the Bible tells us that, you know, none are perfect, all fell and come short of the glory of God, and, 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 you know, none can be perfect, and this and that and the other. Let me tell you something. When you're full, when you're full, you don't have bad spiritual days. I don't think anybody but TJ heard me. Amen. When you're full of the power and the glory of God, you don't have bad spiritual days. Now, you might, you know, you might have bad, you know, days with your finances. You might have bad days at home. You might have bad days at work. You might have bad days in traffic. You might have, you, you might have all kinds of circumstances and situations, right? But that's not what I'm talking about bad. I'm talking about spiritual good and bad. Amen? And if we are full, if we are operating in the fullness of the glory of God, we don't have bad days, Right? But some of us have become accustomed to not being full and having a few really good days and a few really bad days and letting the few good outweigh the few bad. Right? God's got more for you than that. I'm not saying that cracking a whip. But what I am saying to you is God's got more for you than that. Are y'all listening? Y'all ain't listening to me. God's got more for you than that. And the thing is, you need to start wanting more. You need to start desiring more. You need to start working for more. You need to start wanting Jesus to be full in you so that you have moments like Stephen and like Luke. 
did in this place. You need to be pursuing the glory of God and how he manifests himself in where you are and what you're doing. Because I guarantee you, amen, the closer you are and the more full you are of him, the less scared you're going to be by what's going on around you. Amen. There's a thing that works its way through the Internet these days uh, and everything else. And it says, you know, always, always in, in a moment of time of chaos, find the calmest person in the room and, and go to them. Amen. Find that person that in the midst of, uh, of evil, find that person that in the midst uh, of chaos and calamity, find that person who is not easily shaken by the situations and the circumstances around them. Amen? And when we look at, and I'm, I'm not talking in a worldly sense, but in a spiritual sense, when we come to that place and we find those people, those are going to be the people full of the glory of God. Not the people in and out, but the people full of God's glory and his manifestation in their life. Amen? Paul, or Saul, was doing the very opposite. And he was going to the leaders and he was saying, I'll be the guy. I'll be the guy. You write the decree. You write the orders. I'll be the guy that brings an end to Christianity. I'll be, a, I'll be the guy that puts them all in, in chains and binds them and brings them back here to meet the same fate Stephen met. I'll be that guy. How evil do you have to be, right? But this is where Saul was at chapter 1 of verse 9. And you say, well, why would you want to be that church? We're going to get to that because verse 9 ends a whole lot better than it starts out. It says, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there signed around, around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus. All right? So now we've got evil Saul all of a sudden hearing a voice out of heaven with a light that blinds him, right? And, and we get witness from it here in just a second that I'll read to you that the guy standing around heard this voice but couldn't see any man. Amen? Let me finish reading that for that. And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men, this is what I was talking about, and the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no man. Right? Now imagine, imagine you're at school, right? And you got recess out on the football field or wherever it is you have recess, in the gym, or whatever. And all of a sudden, the meanest dude in school stops what he's doing, goes blind, and everybody hears a voice and says, I'm Jesus. Why do you persecute me? Anybody else be freaking out? Huh? Yeah, we'd all kind of be like, Whoa, what the heck is going on? Is this a joke? Is this rigged up? Right? And this is a moment, and these guys stood speechless because the power of God was revealing itself not only to them, but to Paul. 
in this moment. Jesus asked him a very simple question. Why do you persecute me? Why are you so evil against me? Why do you divide my people? Why are you trying to shut down the very glory and the very purpose and the very premise of what God intends for all men, including you? Right? When, when we err against God, when we choose worldliness, fleshliness, sin, whatever we want to call it these days, but when we choose those things over the things of God, we're choosing, much like Saul, to bring a division to the glory and to the power of God for our life. And sometimes the lives of people around us. Amen? Because whether we want to believe it or not, our sin, our, our bad choices affect everybody. Right? And so we create division by those choices. We create division by those things. Just like Paul did. Now maybe it's not in the same manner and maybe it's not in the same way that, that Paul did it. But we are following that same path. And we are following that same idea of what Satan wants to do to the church. Amen? God has more for you than that. God has a lot more for you than that. And we come to the point and the place in our lives where we need to start choosing that and choosing what God is doing. The men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither did he eat nor drink. Amen. So not only did he hear this voice, not only did this great light shine, not only did Jesus speak to him personally, but now he has no sight. His eyes were scaled so that he might look within himself. Amen? A lot of times when our lives take us to places that we don't understand, and a lot of times when we don't see hope at the end of, of whatever our life has brought to us, Amen. We are often blinded from what comes next. We don't know what the next choice is. We don't know what the next decision is. We don't know where our help is. We don't know, we don't know what the answer is. Amen. We're blinded to everything. And, and it happened here for Saul, and it happens for us a lot of times, so that we will look deep within ourselves and allow God to begin to speak and work in our lives. If Paul had continued doing everything that he had been doing and continued to find success in, in his martyrdom of the church, he would have had no reason to question why he was doing what he was doing. If God had not moved into his life in a manner in such a way that with such power moved him off the path of what he was planning or hoping to do, he would have never once thought what he was doing was wrong. He would have never once said, well, maybe I should reconsider. But God came, came to him in a means of glory to show him the difference and to give him the opportunity to make a choice. The same as you and I have the opportunity every day to make a choice for Jesus. Make a choice for Jesus in the things we say, the things we do, the way we act. Amen? The story introduces 
to us a man named Ananias. And in verse 10 it says, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. Amen. Notice how in tune Ananias was. Amen. That when Jesus spake, Amen. How, how many of us, myself included, how many of us that when the Lord begins to speak to us, we're kind of like, well, now I don't know if that was the Lord or if that was me. I don't know if, if that was the, you know, I'm not sure. You know, I need to, I need, how do I, how do I know, right? How do I know, right? When we're full, when we're full, when we're operating in the fullness of the glory of God, we know, right? Ananias immediately, behold, here my Lord. Right? How, many, how many others in Scripture did the exact same thing? How many others in Scripture that when God spoke, they knew that voice? Amen? You want to know why we struggle? Is because we give too many different things and too many different people lordship over our life. Hmm. Too many different things, too many different people. We give lordship over our life so we don't know when the Lord speaks to us. Amen. Here am I, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, unto Ananias, Arise and go into the streets, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for me, one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen a vision, a man named Ananias coming in, and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem, and there he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that come on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias is now in this moment where he's got to go to the meanest, baddest dude and the one that hates Christians more than any other according to his reputation because he wasn't there when the light shone in the sky. He wasn't there when God spoke out of that light and revealed himself to Saul. All he knows is the reputation. And let me tell you what. I, I've seen a lot of things in, in my days. I, I was asked to go pray for this person one time. I won't go into a whole lot of detail and story tell. But I was asked to go pray for this person one time. And the person asked me to pray for him. They, she told me, she said, I, I'm, I'm going to let you know. She's, she's rough. She's evil. And I was like, okay. I'm, you know, I'm not intimidated. Because then there was that part of me after that that I'm kind of like, huh, I wonder what she meant by that. It's like, okay, well, God, God got me, right? Whatever this is, whatever I'm going to encounter in this place, God's got me, right? So I went and knocked on the door, and, and I went in. And making a really long story short, I went back to her bed, and, and I basically told her that, you know, I'm here for Jesus, and I'm going to pray for you. And, man, it, it was like all of a sudden I ste stepped into the set of, um, of, uh, of a horror movie. Amen. What was that one back in the name where the head spun around? 
Exorcist, yeah, I mean, I, I was waiting any second that head was going to start spinning. She was hissing. She was spitting. Amen. She was telling Jesus to get away from her. She didn't want anything to do with him, everything else. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I, I better pray, right? Because I am 100% freaking out. Amen. Not only is Acts scary, but sometimes preaching's scary, right? And, and I remember saying to myself, you either better run or you better pray, right? And, and so I shut my eyes so I wouldn't see it coming, right? I'm joking. I shut my eyes, and I started praying. And, and y'all know me when the Spirit hits me, because, you know, sometimes I pray nice and quiet back there and everything else like that. But sometimes the Spirit hits me, and I get pretty loud, and I get pretty, pretty caught up in it and everything else. And, and the more I prayed, the louder I got. And the louder I got, the more emboldened I got. And, man, the Spirit of the Lord fell upon that place, and she hushed. Silent. And, and yeah, I wasn't going to stop praying, no matter no matter what at that point, right? So I just kept praying. And, and when I opened up my eyes, she was just laying there with her eyes open, all nice and peaceful. And she just looked over at me and she goes, thanks for coming, preacher. So I left. And in a matter of a few days, she, she ended up passing away. Now, I don't know that she ever made a declaration for Jesus Christ in her life. But I do know in that moment, the power of the Lord silenced her and gave her peace. If it was only for that moment, it gave her peace and it gave her an understanding of who Jesus was. Sometimes when we choose to step into the fullness of the glory of God, we're going to get asked to do things that are scary. Amen? Acts are scary. And Ananias, if you notice, nowhere did he rebuke the Lord. Nowhere did he say, I ain't going over there. Nowhere did he say, no, 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 you get somebody else. Amen. But in that moment, he said, um, oh, okay, we're talking about Ananias, the one that's got the little paper about killing all of us. Yeah, that's the one, Ananias. Okay, just making sure, right? But he went. He went. He trusted God to do what only God could do. <clears throat> Sometimes we fail in our Christianity. Sometimes we fall in, <clears throat> in our Christianity. Sometimes we blow it in our Christianity because we're too scared of being and doing what God calls us to do. And we allow that fright, we allow that that scariness, we allow that unknown factor to keep us in the turmoil of where we are. And what we need to understand is that if, if Jesus can step into the life of a man, evil, amen? Remember, last week we called him evil. He was a devil last week. If Jesus can step into a life like that and completely change his perspective and make him one of the greatest teachers and preachers to ever carry the gospel, which is who Paul, the apostle Paul, was Saul. 
And, and you young people, maybe, maybe you don't know exactly who we're talking about, but if you've ever heard in Sunday school us talk about the Apostle Paul and all of the great things that the Apostle Paul did and all of the great things that God did in the Apostle Paul's life, amen? That's this guy. That's this guy that hated God, hated, hated Christians, hated the, hated the evolution of the church and was set to destroy it until Jesus entered his life. Jesus can do it for that guy. He can do it for you. Wherever you're walking and whatever you're doing, however scary it seems, and this, what I've been reading to you seems scary. Amen? But what I'm, what I'm guaranteeing you is that God is who he says he is. And God will do what he says he will do. He will do it in spite of the Saul's of this world. He will do it in spite of the ugly, evil, mean person down the street. Amen? And he will do it in you. He will do great things in your life for the kingdom of God. I've seen it, man. I've seen drug addicts come to church. And I've seen the church judge them. And I've seen the church want to point fingers at them. I've seen guys that have been in prison come into the church and the church treat them awful. Amen. Showing that there's really not a whole lot of Jesus. There's a whole lot of religion in them, but not a whole lot of Jesus in them. Amen. And, and I have seen that again and again and again. And I have seen those guys from prison and those guys that used to be so, so knocked up on drugs and everything else like that. I have seen them become great movers for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen. So don't tell me that anyone is beyond his reproach. My grandfather, hardworking man. Worked 16 hours a day in the mines, four days a week. And he would drive from Buckhannon to Ripley where our family farm was. And, and we had five or six hay fields, all kinds of cattle, all kinds of pigs, all kinds of everything, you name it. Amen. And he farmed from dusk to well after dark a lot of days, those other three days a week. Hardworking man, but a, a mean man, a hard man. A man who expected a lot. And a man who accepted very little excuses for anything. Amen. I've heard many people call him reprobate in my own family, in, in churches, and in different places. To the point that, that as, a, as a kid and as a, as a young person who hadn't really matured into the things of God, I believed it. I believed he was so mean and so angry and so vile that, that God could never reach him and never change his heart. Until he had to face open heart surgery. And I was well into my ministry, and, and I'm sitting there at his bedside. And, and, you know, God just started speaking to my heart and said, Jay, he needs, he needs me. And you're, you're the vessel. I'm thinking, man, he's going to backhand me across the room. I start talking about Jesus to him. I mean, this, this, this was the mindset. And I've seen him do it, and he had done it before. So I wasn't just making this up. He's going to backhand me across the room and then probably have a heart attack dying to kick me. But God was like, you need to tell your grandfather he needs me. Okay. And so I looked at him and I said, Pop, what, boy? 
I said, you know something you and I have never talked about over the years? He just kind of raised his eyes up at me. I said, we've never once talked about Jesus. I said, what do you think? And for the first time in my life, I saw these big old tears well up in his eyes. Now, to a preacher, tears is, is kind of like blood to a shark, right? We're kind of like, oh, man, Jesus is hidden, amen, and, and I don't want to mess this up, right? And so all I said was I said, I can see you're moved. Let me just pray for you. And I put my hand, his, his hand, hands were crossed on his chest, and I put my hand on top of his, and I just started to pray. I don't even remember what I said, but I started to pray. I asked for God to show up in that place, in that moment. About the midway through my hair, I felt, through my prayer, I felt his other hand on top of mine. And I could feel him crying. I feel his body moving and crying. I finished my prayer, and I looked at him, and he looked at me, and he said, Do you think Jesus would save? Somebody like me. And I said, absolutely right this minute and right in this place. And he said, then Jay, I need him. He said, because I don't want to go to hell. And in that moment, my grandfather, the reprobate, the one who you could give a million reasons didn't deserve it, was saved. was saved. The next morning he has open heart surgery. He goes through the recovery process of that and the first time his eyes opened in the room shortly thereafter or a few days later. First time his eyes opened his pastor or my grandmother's pastor and, and I were, were there with my grandmother and his eyes opened and, and he began to talk to us and um, Bob, Bob was my my. Well, it's my grandfather, but also my, my grandmother's pastor. Bob looks at him and he says, man, I heard a, a, a miraculous thing happen here with Jay the other day. And my grandfather said, it sure did. Which was a huge relief to me because I'm thinking, okay, you know, was, was he just desperate in that moment? Or did he really grab hold, right? And Bob says, so, so what do you think you're going to do with it? The pastor Bob says, what do you, what do you think you're going to do? about that. And he said, I think I'm going to get well and get up out of this hospital bed, and I'm going to, I'm going to start going everywhere Jay goes, and I'm going to help him in his ministry. And I was like, whoo, whoo, Jesus, right? My grandfather died two days later. Two days later, he died. Never left the hospital bed. And I will never forget at his memorial service, someone came up to me and he's like, man, what a great story, but what a shame. Uh, I'm sure you really regret that he didn't get to live that out. And I said, nope, not giving it a thought. I am thankful for these three days that I have got to hear him for the first time talk about how good God is. And I will carry that as a testimony 
the rest of my life. Amen? Don't ever think that there is anybody too scary, too ugly, too evil, that the power and the glory of God can't change their life.